Good morning, Willow Park Church. Welcome and thank you for joining us online. It's always a pleasure to see you and that you have taken time to come and to worship with us. I know we're in for a great time of worship. We're in the Hidden Series. And really the aim of this Hidden Series is to talk about how we foster a deeper, more meaningful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. As I said last week, Christianity is a religion of revelation. So often people kind of think that God created everything and then God left the building. A little bit like Elvis has left the building. And we've just got to get on with it and we believe in God purely because of our own reason, purely because of how we can see the cosmos and see creation. And we don't engage with God on a personal level. Well, of course, the Hidden Series is all about learning to engage with the Lord on a very intimate, personal level. And last week, I spoke to you about the power of abiding in Christ. And the message of abiding is quite simple. When we abide, we learn to fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's that intimacy and that closeness that comes. There's that knowing that he is with us and that on our life's pilgrimage, he is traveling with us. And that fellowship makes such a difference in our lives. We were called into fellowship in the same way that a shepherd calls his sheep in the ancient scriptures. So Jesus calls us to come and be with him, to come and walk with him, to come and dwell and have that relationship and that presence. The result of this is that our faith comes alive. It's, it's buoyant. It is energized. It is transformed. It is it's strictly speaking, it's, it's what Jesus spoke about. We do not wither in John chapter 15. Our faith no longer withers or dies because that fellowship brings life. It helps us to resist the temptations of life. Do you ever say no to sin? To be able to, to resist those desires that come to us and be able to know God's grace in the middle of great testing and temptation. It also forms our character. And when we spend time abiding and praying and reading the scriptures, it forms our character as well. And often we forget that the reason God created us was to shape us and to be with us and forms that character deep within us. I think the one thing we know about the pandemic is that it is creating challenges to us at a level of our character, of the ongoing stress and emotion. But this is an opportunity for the Lord's hand to come into our hearts and to shape us into those people that worship the Lord and know his presence. And really that leads me nicely that as we step into this teaching today and a time of worship led by Curtis, that we can allow ourselves to have that time of deep fellowship with the Lord and move deeply. So welcome. Please let us know that you're out there by writing in the, the chat and so we can communicate to you. But let me pray. Father, at the beginning of this time of worship, we thank you that we can pause, we can rest, and we can invite you to come close to us. And I pray whether people are watching 
uh, in their homes, whether they are in their bubbles, whether they are watching on Facebook Live as they're moving through the activities of life. I pray, Lord, that you will come close to everyone this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Enjoy this time of worship with Pastor Curtis. Good morning, everybody. Good morning and welcome. Welcome to Willow Park Church. Wherever you are, we are together now, joined by the Spirit, and uh, we are going to worship. I think somewhere around 3,000 years ago, this, this was written um, by a director of music. It's simply called a song, a psalm, Psalm 66, a call to worship, if you like. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies cringe before you. All the earth bows down to you. They sing praise to you. They sing the praises of your name. Come and see what God has done. His awesome deeds for mankind. He turned the sea into dry land. They pass through the waters on foot. Come, let us rejoice in him. He rules forever by his power. His eyes watch the nations. Let not the rebellious rise up against him. Praise our God, all peoples. Let the sound of his praise be heard. He has preserved our lives and kept our feet from slipping. For you, God, you, God, you tested us. You refined us like silver. We went through fire and water, but you brought us to a place of abundance. Come and hear all you who fear God. Let me tell you what he has done for me. Heavenly Father, I love to tell the world what you've done for me. You sent your son, and it changed my life forever. It changed the world forever. Thank you for that. Thank you for this time together where we can celebrate that and celebrate you and your awesome power. We celebrate with joy. We say, how awesome are your deeds. Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one. Did you feel the people tremble? Did you hear the singers roar? When the lost began to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. We see that God you're moving A mighty river through the nations And young and old will turn to Jesus Fling wide you heavenly gates Prepare the way of the risen Streets resound with singing 
Did you feel the darkness tremble when all the saints joined in one song? And all his dreams flow as one river to wash away our brokenness. Here we see that God, you're moving. A time of jubilee is coming. When an old return to Jesus Fling wide you heavenly gates Prepare the way of the risen Lord Open up the doors and let the music play Let the streets resound with singing Justice. Open up the doors, let the music play, let the streets resound with singing. Songs that bring your hope, songs that bring your joy, dancers who dance. Upon injustice Did you hear the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ, the risen one You are good Jesus Christ, you are good Fill my soul with your love and your grace and your peace and your beauty. You are good. You are good. You are good. When there's nothing good in me, you are love. You are love on display for all to see. You are light. You are light. When the darkness closes in, you are hope. You are hope. You have covered all my sin. You are peace, you are peace. When my fear is crippling, you are true, you are true. Even in my wandering, you are joy. You are joy, you're the reason that I sing. You are life, you are life, in you death has lost its sting. Oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms. The riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever. Rain. 
You are more than my words will ever say. You are Lord, you are Lord, all creation will proclaim. You are here, you are here, in your presence I'm made whole. You are God, you are God, of all else I'm letting. of your love will always be enough nothing compares to your embrace light of the world forever my heart will sing no other name Jesus Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus, Jesus, my heart will sing no other name. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, oh, I'm running to your arms, I'm running to your arms, the riches of your love will always be enough, nothing compares to your embrace, light of the world forever. of your love will always be enough nothing compares Some melodious song Sung by flaming 
of this moment, this service. You're indescribable beyond words, but we love you so much. and we, we give this to you. Thank you for joining us together in this manner and bless everybody here, there, wherever they are. We are all together in your name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless you. Thank you, Curtis, for taking the time to lead us so well. And of course, this past week we had our first uh, hymn sing in a long time and Curtis led that. It was also filmed. So you can go onto the website, click and watch that hymn sing. Some of the great hymns of the Christian faith that lift us and excite us. We had about 30 people here that joined in the hymn sing and it was so wonderful to have that time together. And we were so blessed. So thank you, Curtis, for leading us. Now is the time for communion. And as we gather together, communion is always a beautiful time to remember and to reflect 
on all that Jesus Christ has done. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but can receive everlasting life. That God loved us. And we remember right now that Christ came and died upon the cross. His body was broken. So he could reach us and save us and free us. He paid the price for sin. He gave his life. He took, as it were, the wrath of sin and death upon himself and was willing, willing to carry that in his body so that you and I need never carry it in our lives. So the bread, the body of Christ, which is broken for you, eat it and remember Remember that the blood was poured out. The blood is significant right the way through scriptures. It goes back to the very beginning of the first sacrifice of blood with animals and sheep that were sacrificed in the temple. But those sacrifices could never pay the price for humanity's sin. And of course, Christ came as that Lamb of God, as the one that was willing to die. His blood was shed so it would cry out forgiveness. It would cry out grace. It would cry out love. It would cry out new beginning. It would cry out redemption. It would cry out forgiveness. The blood of Jesus Christ that takes away the sins of the world. Drink it. In the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, be blessed. Right now we're going to move across and have our Willow One News with lots of different items taking place. It's amazing how as a church we've changed things so we can still keep ministering, still keep connecting with young people, with children in kids club, keep reaching out into our community. Uh, two weeks ago, I shared with you how I led somebody to Christ and it was a real blessing. And this last week, I went and saw somebody at the end of life and that individual gave their life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm absolutely sure that he will enter the kingdom of God as a result of his decision to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the work of the church and it's what we're called to do. So enjoy uh, these notices and then enjoy Pastor Jordan and Pastor Glenn as they share the good news with you. Hello Willow Park Church, my name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us from church online or one of our dwell gatherings, welcome and here's your family news. Join us tomorrow night at 7 p.m. as we pray together. Willow One Prayer is happening in person at our Highway 33 location and at Church Online. 
You do not need to pre-register to attend in person. Just show up and sign in at the door. Learn more at willowparkchurch.com slash willow1prayer. Save the date for our annual general meeting, which will be happening Sunday, November 8th at 3 p.m. If you are a voting church member, you are encouraged to attend in person. For everyone else, and for those who prefer to attend online, we will have that option as well. More details will be coming closer to the date on how members can register, so watch our website. We are still looking for volunteers for our midweek youth and kids programs. Youth leaders are needed for Wednesday or Thursday nights, and kids volunteers are needed for Tuesday nights. We're also looking for someone to help put together craft kits for our kids ministry. If you're interested in getting involved, please email the church office at info at willowparkchurch.com. GLOW, our youth group for grades 9 to 12, happens each Wednesday from 7 to 9 p.m. JUICE, for grades 6 to 8, happens Thursday night from 6.30 to 8 p.m. This week is our big group night, and youth will need to register ahead of time in order to attend as space is limited. Visit cahoots.ca for more details. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. The first service, I kind of walked up here right when that was playing, and I had to stand here awkwardly for that whole lovely montage of different verses. So anyways, I, I, I timed it better this time. Good morning. My name is Jordan Pilgrim. I am so glad you're here. And if this is the first time you've joined us in a dwell gathering, definitely welcome to you online. Welcome as well. Today we're talking about the Sabbath. Good morning. And we're talking about the Sabbath and this idea um, of what it's going to be is practicing for eternity. And I think there's a lot to do in a title of a sermon. And I kind of came up this morning, I was just thinking again about what can I call this sermon and practicing for eternity. Because you know what? Being awesome is exhausting. Have you ever noticed that being awesome is exhausting? So um, like, anybody ever watch YouTube? I watch a little bit of YouTube every once in a while. And Jack Black, can't recommend, but I watch him sometimes. And he's really funny to me. And he and as a YouTuber, you get um, different gifts for having different amount of subscribers. Now, I am, uh, I am, I'm very privy to the world of YouTube views. I have one video that has 275,000 views on it. Very exciting for me, I know. And uh, my father-in-law asked me after I got 275,000 views, says, do people recognize you on the street? Is that, is that a thing? Do people know? And I'm like, no, but it is exhausting being awesome because all the comments on there weren't about my sliver that I got in my finger and I was teaching people how to get it out. They were about the mole on my head and I had to disable the comments after a while because it's just too mean. Come on, you you guys just leave me alone but no it's exhausting and so when he got this gift 
for being awesome, it said this on the inside. It said, being awesome is exhausting. It's time to relax and recharge. Because being awesome is exhausting. And we need to remember to take time to relax and recharge. And today we are talking about the Sabbath and taking time to relax, taking time to recharge, taking time to renew our perspective. Our nature, actually, sorry, I always forget this. Um, Walter Brueggemann says this, in our own contemporary context of the rat race of anxiety, the celebrations of Sabbath is an act of both resistance and alternative. It is resistance because it is a visible insistence that our lives are not defined by production and commodity goods. Taking time, taking a moment out of your day, taking a moment out of your week, taking a moment out of your year even, is a time to say, look, I understand that I'm in this rat race, but I'm going to slow down and I'm going to give this time to God. Our nature is towards building towards something. I have a lot of construction friends, and, and, and many of you are in construction business, or you know people in construction business, or you do a little construction around the house. And part of their favorite thing about construction is leaving the site and looking back and seeing what they've done. I have a friend that he, uh, he works at One Water Street. It's the big building going up downtown. He's in charge of all the concrete. Could you imagine after three years, looking back, looking up and saying, I built that? That is something to be proud of. For years, you would show your kids that. See, we always want to be building towards something, but taking a Sabbath, taking a break, taking a rest feels like you're building nothing. But you're actually building into your relationship with God. You're building into the kingdom. It's much like tithing in the Old Testament, 10%. You put this money, and where does it go? It's a spiritual act of worship. It's saying, this is not all mine. I want to give back to you. It's like my time. I want to give it back to you. One in seven, what's the percent? It's like 14.6%. Can you afford to give up 14.6% of your week to say, God, I want to give this back to you? Or do we need to look at it that way? Because that was the Old Testament, and we're now walking into the New Testament, the New Covenant. Is it just a good practice to remember to give back and to remember to take time to be in God's presence? So we're going to get to all that. We're going to look at the scriptures of the Sabbath, and, and kind of it's an overview of all of it. Because if you're looking for one specific point, and there's a few different places that talk about um, the Sabbath, but moreover, I saw that as I looked through, it is just a constant, from Genesis all the way to Revelation, is a constant talking about the Sabbath. I'm like, what can we know about that? So, we first start in Genesis chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were, cre- were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, the seven is going to become quite important, just so you know. But by the seventh day, God had finished the work that he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from the work of creating all, all the creating that he had done. There are six days, and each of those six days has a morning, has an evening and a morning. Every day, day one, evening and a morning. Day two, evening and a morning. All these days that God was working hard to create our creation, to build who we are. This narrative that it's showing, every day had an evening and a morning. And on the seventh day, there was no evening and a morning because it was blessed. And that is when His Holy Spirit, His Spirit was breathed into the world. And there was no time. It was limitless. I was listening to a guy named Daniel Rubin. 
And he was giving a TED Talk on the Sabbath. Um, and, and as he gave this TED Talk, he talked about how day one, day two, day three, day four, day five, day six, we're always looking at our watch, our watches. The Lilliputians, I think, from Gulliver's Travels, say to Gulliver, you keep on looking at your watch, is that your God? You keep on looking at your watch, is that your God? We keep on looking at our phones. Is that our God if we had little six-inch men and women looking at us, looking at what we look at all the time? So day one through six is a time, time, time. But day seven, there was no evening and there was no morning because it was a place of rest. It was a time where you took off and stopped looking at time. If we're able to come into a place of proper rest, can we just turn off and stop and stop looking? So what God had made, he had made this up to, up to this point, and he wanted to share it with Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve loved it. They loved their time there, but then they wanted equality with God. They wanted to understand what happened through one day one and through day six. They wanted to be equal with God, and they wanted to become limitless like God. And because of that desire, they were forced out. They were forced out of this beautiful time of rest. Into this world, we fast forward to Israelites' time, and they were taken captive, the Jewish people taken captive, and God didn't forget that he had this beautiful time of rest. He wanted to give it back to them. So what does God do? He goes in and he comes and he retrieves his people from the land of Egypt, from slavery, where they had no rest, and he takes them and he goes to the promised land. There was a time of destruction and chaos, which is slavery, And he wants to bring them to the promised land, but in in the middle of destruction and chaos and the promised land, there is this wilderness time. And God keeps on saying, I want you to understand, I want you to remember what the seventh day of creation was. It was a time of rest. So what we're going to do in the wilderness, we are going to practice what it's going to be like when we get to the promised land. We're going to be practicing for the next 40 years, essentially, what it's going to be like when we get to the promised land. So every seven days... I want you to take some time. I want to take every seven days and I want you to take a break. I want you to take a break from work. And then every seven, seven times a year, I want you to have a festival. And every single one of those festivals points to the Sabbath. And every seven years, I want you to have a time where all debts are forgiven. And I want you to have a time where all the slaves are let free. And then after that, I want you to take every seven times seven years, every 49 years, to have a year of Jubilee where everything goes back to square one. An absolute fulfillment, an absolute beautiful time. And this is what's happening. We are practicing. The Sabbath is the practice of eternity. What was happening is he was saying, I want you to come back to this place of creation, day seven, and let's practice that. Let's take some moments, let's take a breath, let's take a stop and remember to rest. We don't do very good at that because being awesome is very exhausting. And we need to stop and we take a, need to take a moment and we need to breathe because we're constantly working towards something. And then what happens is as the people are going through, they get back into the promised land finally, and they forget who their God is. They forget about this Sabbath again, and then they're taken back into captivity. And then the prophets started to say over time, they said, then the prophets during this dark time told them of their impending freedom, and their impending freedom is Christ. Their impending freedom is Jesus. And when did Jesus announce his ministry? On the Sabbath. And it says, On the Sabbath day, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. 
He has sent me to the, proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Everything that Jesus is now is coming back to day seven in creation. Everything that we do when we celebrate Sabbath, when we celebrate rest, we are looking forward to what it's going to be like to be with him in eternity. We are looking forward to that. So if we, stop, if we fail to stop and rest, we're failing to stop to practice eternity. We're failing to stop to practice being in his presence. And we need to find a way to get back to that rhythm, get back to that rest, and get back to that reflection. Because he was bringing hope. And when Jesus was bringing hope, he started to go through ministry. He started to, to cast demons out of people. He started to bring people from death to life, to heal the cripples, to, to do so much good work. And he was showing what it was going to be like one day in eternity. And what did they do to him? They killed him. Because they wanted their religious practice, they didn't want that religious practice breathing in front of them, showing them the beauty of who God is. And so they killed Jesus on a Friday. And he slept through Sabbath on a Saturday. And then day eight, he rose again. Why do we call it day eight? Because day eight is the first day of a new creation. Day eight is the first day of a new freedom, a new, a new kingdom coming, a representation of who God is and how that freedom can come. So now it's not every seven days, seven times a year, seven, every seven years, every 49 years that you can experience this rest. You can experience this rest of the Sabbath anytime because we have access to the eighth day because of the resurrection of the King. We forget how important it is to rest. We might become lazy, but resting in God's presence is different than doing nothing. We need to stop and rest in Him. We need to remember the rhythm. Now, now and we get into this place where Jesus comes back and now we're living in this. And then Colossians 2 verse 16 to 17 says that the Sabbath is a shadow or a sketch or a reflection of what is to come. So we could get hung up on being one day a week, 24-hour period, and, and those are good times to take. But we can't make that our God. That's what the Pharisees did. That Sabbath became their God. But what we need to do is remember that that shadow was, it was a shadow of what was the seventh day of creation and what is to come, who Jesus is. The Sabbath was representative of what it's going to be like when we get to eternity. And we can start to participate in that eternal relationship now. So then I got to this point as doing my research, probably Friday, and I said to my wife, I said, I said, uh-oh, we're doing a sermon on Sabbath, and now kind of Sabbath is done in Colossians. Maybe we don't need Sabbath anymore. Does the New Testament even talk about actually spending time, even, even post-Jesus rising from the dead? Should we be having Sabbath? And then I found Hebrews chapter 4. You can kind of read through Hebrews chapter 4. I'm just going to read from verse 8 to verse 11. For it says this, For if Joshua had, let, had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Listen to that. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. We need rest. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his we are inheriting life with, with God, with Christ. And God worked six days to make, create this world, and he rested. 
As we look through the Bible, there's a lot of things that we need to do. There's, there's works that need to accomplish. That we need to go out. We need to be active. We need to be doing stuff. But we also need to rest in Him. Let us therefore make every enter, effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of their disobedience. We need to remember to stop and take a break and top and take a rest in God's presence. However that looks, we need to take that rest. There's a whole other sermon that we could go into of what stuff doesn't count towards Sabbath. We, you know, we're talking in, in uh, Matthew chapter 12 about different things of, well, what are you supposed to do? Well, you're supposed to worship, you're supposed to have community, and you're supposed to still seek justice on the Sabbath. But that's in response, and that's something different, and we would get into that some other time. But for now, we just want to talk about making sure we have some rest. So we're going to talk about Rhythm. Life is rhythm. Art is rhythm. Poetry is rhythm. Music is rhythm. Strength is rhythm. Our lives are full of this beautiful rhythm. If, if, this, if the string theory is correct, all the atoms and neurons all the way go down to one string in each of these particles that is in rhythm creating our world. Our world is full of, full of beautiful rhythm. And as you are in rhythm, as you are in sync, things make sense. But we have lost our rhythm. Time is like a jet plane. It moves too fast. You may not know this, but 2,000 years ago, there was no airplanes. There was no jet planes taking people from time zone A to time zone B. When my wife and I and kids would fly back and forth to England when we lived there, that would mess up with your body. I wish that I was preaching next week on the, on the time change day or whatever because it would really put my point home. Is that jet lag is the general malaise that comes from moving so fast that you are no longer in time with the rhythm of the sun or your own body. Jet lag isn't just fatigue, it's the sensation that you are out of sync. When we find that we're out of rhythm, when we find that we are doing things differently, that we just don't quite get it, we are out of sync. A while ago, I was, I was here and things started happening. Just, you know how your day just kind of goes off a bit. And you kind of have to, I'm a fairly unpredictable person. You might see that when I'm preaching, that I kind of just do whatever sometimes. But I'm, I'm, I, I kind of, I don't mind. I rest fairly well in the unpredictable. But I also need predictability in my life. I need rhythm in my life. And this day, things were just not going as planned. And I got outside and I was like, what is going on? And I needed to eat something. My wife was on the floor. She said, you got to go eat something. So I kind of went outside and Things were kind of spinning almost in this way. And I got outside and I kind of looking around. I was like, I don't know where to eat. I couldn't make a decision. And actually, Phil drove by at the same time. He's like, you were just standing out there. What were you doing? And I said, I was out of rhythm. I was out of sync. There was something that was going on in my head. I couldn't make a decision. And it was kind of bubbling up to this point. And right then, one of those cars that have those really loud mufflers flew by me as loud as ever. And I just absolutely, I felt all the anxiety creep up inside of me. And I almost had an anxiety attack. I'm like, whoa. Because my life is out of rhythm. March 2020, something happened to us that we're all sitting in here with masks on now. 
This pandemic happened and has knocked us all out of our rhythm. If you are a single mom or a single dad and you had to take your kids into your house and have your kids on Zoom doing school while you're trying to make money, while you're trying to pay the bills, while you're trying to do everything, life was absolutely out of sync. Sure, it was exciting for the first week. Well, we got extended Easter vacation. Great. But then one day leads to the next, leads to the next. I don't wake up and make my kids lunches anymore. don't like doing that anyways, but I thought I didn't like doing it. But I actually missed that rhythm. How can I get into to work on time? How can I find the time to have a rhythm of my, of my daily devotional or my however time I make out that point? How can I have that rhythm now? Everything is messed up. Do you remember the first time that you stood in line at Costco or a superstore with the line stretching all the way around the building? It was like we were living in the apocalypse. It was, I remember seeing it. I'm like, this is so weird. And then I remember like three months later being like, this is so normal. And I was like, what have I done? What kind of world have I tripped into? Our whole rhythm was out of, and I think our rhythm is still, still out of place. I I was sitting over here and my mask was over here and I wanted to sing a song, but I had to come back over here to get my mask because I couldn't sing without my mask on. It was just, oh. Feel like I'm preaching to the crowd here. I know, yeah? I think we all get that. But we gotta do this stuff. It's okay, but it's just out of sync, out of rhythm, out of sorts, and I just feel like I'm out of rhythm. First Kings 8, verse 58. Sometimes I just love the message. Email Phil if you don't like that I'm reading. No, it's good. The message is wonderful. May, <laughs> may God, our very own God, continue to be with us just as he was with our ancestors. May he never give up and walk out on us. May he keep us centered and devoted to him, following the life path he has cleared, watching the signposts, walking at the pace and the rhythms he laid out for our ancestors. Walking at the pace and the rhythms they laid out for our ancestors. We look at our, our Christmas traditions, our Easter traditions, our, 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 our yearly calendar, and we maybe don't make much sense of that, but that is a beautiful rhythm that we found ourselves in. And now we're getting knocked out of that rhythm, and it's so, so difficult. Our Glenmore people, we had a lovely church. We do have a lovely church here. Thank you for having us over here. It's fantastic. But we loved being there. I loved our Christmas Eve services. It was just my favorite time of the year. That rhythm every year, seeing those same people once a year, it was just so great. To tell them the gospel of Jesus, to embrace them and say, hello, and now I can't embrace anybody. Probably for the best, but... I just love the rhythm of our faith. And some people say, well, it's a bit religious, it's a bit traditional, but sometimes that rhythm is so necessary to keep us grounded. The rhythm of Sunday mornings keeps us in a place, a safe place in understanding and accountability. It's so lovely. Now we have to figure out a bit of a new rhythm. We need to find our rhythm of prayer, find our rhythm of Scripture. Remember that first verse you memorized? You can say it right now. That rhythm is beautiful. The rhythm of worship the rhythm of communion, and the rhythm of calendar. Their life, health, physics, strength, art, devotion, worship, they all count on rhythm, and dysrhythm is a disease. Intermittent, irregular, scattered, uneven, uneven, varied. Sorry, I put that, I kind of copied that word on there. I don't know, sorry. Choppy, disconnected, what I'm saying here unsystematic, altering, broken, all of these things 
are attacking our relationship and our, our rhythm and our Sabbath with Christ. Keeping up being awesome is very difficult. I had to go back and make another video that is 270,000 views worthy. I have not done that yet. 119 views is my next record. Not very good. It's all my family and me. Click and refresh. That stress of being awesome is difficult. But we say and we joke about online, but we want to be that awesome all the time as well. But we need to stop and we need to trust and say, God, I'm going to give you this rhythm. I'm going to give you this 14.6% of my week, but more, just to be with you. Tish Harrison Warren has this book called Liturgy of the Ordinary. And Al Gillespie lent it to me one time. And it has really changed a lot of the ways I think. She's a mom and she's finding time to find rhythm is very difficult. And you might be in that spot. You might be in a place where finding time and finding rhythm is difficult. This whole book unwraps different ways that you can find rhythm in life. She actually did this, this, um, this survey on her Facebook. She said, how many people make your bed in the morning? And she was quite surprised at the varying answers. She thought it was yes or no. And she didn't make her bed. And my wife, we can't leave three seconds without making the bed or you're in big trouble. But she found that people would say, I make the bed or I don't make the bed. I make the bed half, I make it whole. Sometimes people said, I make the bed before I get in it at night. I leave it all day long, and then right when I'm about to get in bed, I make it because I like that. I like the hotel-style bed, and I go back. Some people, Anthony Sawatsky, he, uh, he, he, he goes to uh, here, or Glenmore, but here. He goes here, <laughs> and uh, he, he travels lots for his work. He just loves the hotel bed, just made. And she was quite surprised that people would even make a bed just before. And so what she found is that I need to find a time where I can find a rhythm with God. And if every day I'm making the bed, I'm going to make that time that I make that bed a rhythm with God. So she stops and she makes the bed. She puts it places. She takes some time to pray. And then she just sits on her bed for even four minutes. The kids are probably going crazy. She locks the doors. I'm just going to take four minutes to make my bed every day. My wife and I, we listen to Pray As You Go quite often at nighttime. It's an it's a app, and it's 15 minutes, and it's just, it's just some music, and then it's a scripture prompt, and it has a question, and you kind of just sit with it, and you pray it through, and it's just 10 to 15 minutes, and these little rhythms every day. I have this liturgy that I pray, and this liturgy takes me through, it actually, I did it for the, the whole thing yesterday, it takes about an hour and a half to do, but we can't always do an hour and a half every day. There's these lovely rhythms, and I have a few other books that I can show you about, liter- about, about rhythm. But she says, on to the point, <laughs> she says, I need rituals that will encourage me to embrace what is repetitive, ancient, and quiet. But what I crave is novelty and stimulation. What we need is to embrace what is repetitive, ancient, and quiet. But what I crave for is novelty and stimulation. Oh, I crave for that rhythm sometimes. Even though I like to be scattered, I crave for that rhythm. I know my wife would crave for me to have a bit more rhythm in my life as well. 
what that rhythm leads to is rest. If you have a predictability, you know that rest is coming. You know that that time is coming. You know that you will be able to be in God's presence at that time. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If we get into the rhythm, then we will kind of time, find a time to rest. And as we find a time to rest, we will be able to look to Jesus and be in his presence. There's another book I read a little bit of, a Switch on Our Brain. And it talks about the practice of rest. Practice of rest. Rest takes practice. Kids need to learn how to walk. They need to learn how to talk. They need to do all these things. But they also need to learn how to rest. If you have a newborn... I can tell you, it is a real struggle. You just want to be able to find a way to get that baby to rest. That is like your only goal. People will pay hundreds of dollars to have sleep people come in to teach the babies how to rest because it's not working. When that rest is gone, everything is out of sorts. We need to practice rest. When I was in Bible school in Calgary, I was, um, I was, I didn't have much money and whatever. My mom said, she, owned, she managed an apartment downtown. She said, I need a security guard tonight. I said, okay, I'm going to come in security guard. So it was kind of like I went to school all day. And then I came, came there and I security guarded until 6 in the morning and went back to school. So it was an all-nighter, not a big deal. You know, I was young, I can do this. So I kind of was like, well, I'll just get through it. I maybe had a 20-minute nap in the middle of it. It kind of just went through the day. My face started to get a bit numb, you know. <laughs> just like when you're really tired, you feel like you got punched in the nose the whole time. And so I was kind of like in this place. And my mom called again. She's like, ah, the security guard can't come again. Would you like to make another couple hundred dollars? And I'm like, yeah, I want to make some more money. So, okay, I'll do it tonight. So I came in and that night I tried to security guard again. I got all the way until like two in the morning and I fell asleep for like two hours. And I was like, oopsies. I woke up, six in the morning, had to go back to school, went back to school, exhausted all day. I was like, I'll just try to get through and I'll get to home and get to bed. There was a hockey game for our, our school that night that I had to go to. The game didn't start till 11.30 at night. Gotta get there, though. I can't miss a hockey game. I was, like a ma- I was not a player of hockey. I was a fan of hockey, and I was the loudest fan that was there. And in my overtiredness, I was very loud. Went until 11.30, went until 12.30 at night, and then I had to get home. I live on the other side of the city. It is... 45 minutes away in the snow, finally got to bed about one in the morning. Right when I'm falling asleep, I remember soccer practice tomorrow morning, seven in the morning. So I had five hours of sleep then. I had six, six or seven hours of sleep within a seven, two hour window. I can tell you right now, I was not functioning at my greatest. This is what happens in our spiritual lives. We do not function at our greatest if we don't take time to rest. We might not feel like we got punched in the face, but we'll feel out of sorts and we'll feel out of rhythm. So we need to practice rest. We need to cultivate holy rest. How do you rest holy? If I were to say I were able to find a 24-hour period, what would I do in that day? My kids are here so they can keep me accountable to this. Maybe I could take the long walk to school that morning holding their hands. Just walk with them. Enjoy that time walking with them to school. Maybe Liz and I can go for breakfast. Maybe I can go, where do you find God? I know where I find God. Where do you find God? My friend and I in Calgary, we would often find that 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night, we'd go for walks in the city. You're getting to know that I have bad sleep patterns, I think, at this point. 
But we would. We would find a, a moment just to walk and hang out, the stillness of the evening, no noise. We can just hear from God and hear from each other, be in community. Maybe it's going out for lunch with a friend of yours. Maybe it's, maybe it's just taking a walk in nature. Find a way to enjoy your Sabbath. Find a way to be in that place where you just can turn off your phone, which now my watch is my phone. That's why I pointed to my watch. I apologize. You can turn off your phone. You can turn off all the outside stimulation. Just be and rest. We still need that rest because we're practicing for eternity. If we never savor a lazy afternoon, if we must always be cleaning out the fridge or volunteering at church, by the way, we need volunteers, thank you. (laughs) Or clocking in on more hours, we'll forget how to notice beauty and we'll miss the unmistakable reality of goodness that pleasure trains us to see. We'll miss the unmistakable reality of goodness that pleasure trains us to see. If we don't take that rest, we won't see and we won't see Jesus. We won't take time to reflect. Some of us need to cultivate the desire for rest. We've become workaholics. Perhaps staying at work two hours more is easier than going home and taking care of things at home. I was working with a friend in construction a little while in Calgary, and, and I could see the temptation to do one more job because he says, well, if I put this, like, there's a deck that he was building, like, 40 decks in a row on these townhouses, and if I just build one more deck, I'll get $400 more, and he can do it in two or three hours. The temptation at 5 o'clock at night to work until 8 o'clock to make $400 more is there. It's understandable. But we need to have that desire for rest more than we need to have the desire for control. We need to desire rest. Embracing sleep is not only a confession of our limits, it's also a joyful confession of God's limitless care for us. For Christians, the act of ceasing and relaxing into sleep is an act of reliance on God. Taking time to rest is an act of relying on God. And when you rest, you reflect. Last week, I'm part of a Jesus Collective prayer meeting, and it's every Thursday morning. And I was debating going, like you always do. It's a Zoom meeting, you know. It's there. You don't one more Zoom meeting. Who wants that? And I decided to head on to it. And as as we got on, the guy that was leading, he was from Philadelphia. This is like all these. It's so neat because you're meeting different people from all over the world. And so this guy from Philadelphia was leading it, and he says. Let's take a moment to just reflect. He said, look out whatever window you're at. So it's very interesting because we have people from all over the world in different places, different windows. And my window view is the best. (laughs) Staring at KFC and Taco Bell and Home Hardware on Highway 33, the car's driving by. I'm like, okay, here we go. So we just stopped and we took a breath and we took an inventory of what was happening outside Lots of people were by the trees. Lots of people had mountain views. I had 33. And we sat there and I stopped. And, you know, at first it was hard to reflect. But once I got into the rhythm of rest and reflection, I started to see God's face on people as they drove by. You started to see the busyness. You started to see the chaos. And you started to see people in their cars. One, two people driving. 
Perhaps they're off to a, a well-meaning meeting, or perhaps they're living a selfish life. It doesn't matter. It's the fact that every single person had God's value on their lives. And I was able to talk, stop and take a reflection. If we don't find the rhythm of rest, we will never reflect on the goodness of God. You will never take that moment to stop to reflect on the goodness of God, walking with your kids hand in hand to the schoolyard, meeting someone for the first time, going on that first date, or, or, or meeting a friend for coffee. You will not have that moment again. And we know with this pandemic, those can be fleeting moments. I did say to our Glenmore people, we'll see you in a couple weeks in March. Many of those people we'll never see again. Because you have to stop and rest and reflect. So that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to take a moment. If you're online and you have a window there, I encourage you just to look out it. If you're here, I just encourage you to take a moment, close your eyes, and I'm going to read this next verse. I'm going to read it fully and then bring it down. You may have done this exercise before, but let's just stop and take a moment to rest in God's presence. Just let the moments in the day, the stresses, give them to God, give them to Jesus. Breathe in and breathe out and just be in God's presence. Be still and know that I am God. Let those words wash over. Let those words sink in. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am Be still and know. Be still. Be. Father, as we wait with you, we reflect on your goodness. Help us to remember constantly to rest. To stop and take time to be in your presence. To allow you to restore us. I'm going to read Matthew eleven twenty-eight one more time in a different version. Maybe remain eyes closed and hearts open. Are you tired? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learned 
learn the unforced rhythm of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you, take time for rhythm, take time for rest, and take time to practice eternity. Tomorrow night is our monthly prayer meeting. That's a rhythm of our church. I want to encourage you to come and be there. God bless you all. Have a great day. Amen.